from this point on, we're going to be talking about spoilers for the entirety of the first season of Goblin Slayer. Once again, this is full-on spoiler discussion. So the reason I went ahead and extended this from just the first five or six episodes is because I ended up binging the entire season. This show is so good. It's so engaging. It's so interesting and intriguing. And it's so real that I had to finish it. I'm very fortunate right now, taking a little vacation, and I'm using my vacation as somewhat of a staycation so that I can accomplish some things, so that I can do some preparation, so that I can push what I need to do as Uncle Hokage. Now, since I'm your own Taku uncle, I see it as kind of my job to make sure that I'm kind of keep myself abreast of what's currently going on. That's what we state as trending, right? So whatever is popular, whatever is on, whatever is popping, whatever is new, whatever is terrible, it's partly my job to know what it is and to respond accordingly. So because I can kind of take my podcast on the go with me and because I can kind of check out some of the things that um, I have the ability to check out because as your otaku uncle, I can kind of pick and choose what I want to see. I don't have the limitations I used to have when I was a kid. So I'm very fortunate and I'm very lucky that I can kind of do that stuff. So yesterday I watched all of Goblin Slayer and I don't think I'm going to take out my first impressions that I put for the first few episodes because they still hold that weight. But once again, from now on, full on spoilers. So I think that this show is fantastic. I really do. I think it really understands the um, balance between serious and non-serious in a way that makes you feel like it's more grown up than it actually is. So it's your almost typical adventure story, but it creates this super interesting narrow lane, which I realize is kind of the key toward gauging interests. When people have seen the same story a thousand times, what you really have to do is you have to kind of expand upon the small little corner that no one has really ever touched upon. And I think the way that they did it is just very smart. So they have the whole concept of fantasy, sword and sorcery, um, where that genre is one of the genres that I love to read. It's my favorite video game style to play. I'm not a fan of first-person shooters or even um, gun mechanics or anything like that in general. I love swords. I love shields. I love uh, spears. One of the reasons why I love the Stormlight Archive so much is that the main character, Kaladin, Kaladin, he uses a spear. That's his main weapon. And, you know... You don't see that that often, but I think the spear is a very cool weapon. So, 
what's so cool about the Goblin Slayer is that he specifically hunts goblins specifically and that's what's so funny about it is because in most of the um, fantasy type stories and in most of the fantasy type games goblins and kobolds are literally the level one characters that you attack they're the first ones that you take on they're the first ones that you actually fight usually in the opening towns um i did my restart of dragon's dogma and when I kind of like want to sit and listen to some stuff, I'm just going to sit and I'm just going to level and I'm just going to go around and I'm just going to fight goblins, 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 because it's fun. I just want to adventure. I want to explore. I want to experience some cool locales and some cool locations and stuff like that. But because we have that sentiment in our head, we can on this weird sense kind of relate to the other adventurers in the guild other adventurers in the guild are all saying why would anybody only fight goblins those are level one mobs and we even get that sentiment when you have the rookie uh, party from the first episode who kind of goes out and they're like we can take goblins I was able to chase some away from my homes but they're actually expanding upon that original threat that's in the beginning of the uh, video game series and they are actually creating a sense of tension and fear behind it it's one of those things like imagine this whenever you have those uh, MMOs like Guild Wars or WoW or any of those one of the first quests that you tend to have is oh our neighboring town is overrun by whatever monster it can we'll just say goblins right so then you, as an adventurer, you go to that town and you see the little animations that they have present. The, uh, the goblins are like hopping up and down. The townspeople, NPCs, are sitting there crouched. They're covering their ears and heads and they're just kind of standing there screaming. And it's all kind of like light and colorful. And you go in and you uh, attack the kind of like bouncing goblins and stuff. And then once you do, the person stands up and she says oh my god thank you so much for helping me uh i'm finally safe i finally feel secure i'm so glad that you're here that's kind of the trope what this particular instance did is that it took that trope and it kind of flipped it on its head it actually uh turned that pseudo threat into a legitimate one where um where it actually showed the ramifications of how would this actually have played out in real life if if that type of like individual or those type of creatures actually invaded the village what's the lore behind goblins and how is that actually going to be portrayed and it actually shows all aspects of that lore and all portrayals all of the negative ones and it's shocking not because it happens but because it's so unexpected in how it happens because the goblins they don't just they don't just lunge and stab a guy they like pin the guy down all pull out their 
knives and stuff and just kind of like stab him and chop him to pieces while the guy sits there and screams. It's freaky. And in addition to that, the goblins actually strip these women down and they basically rape these women. And it's that whole like kind of scary, terrible monsters in the dark lurking type vibe which you don't have in these adventure games. So it sets this grim tone immediately. And that's why the show is so brilliant because the character models don't look grim at all. They're very bright, they're very bubbly. The female characters have these big, bright, brilliant eyes. The male characters just look strong and powerful, but they humanize, they humanize the character growth. You don't just go out in the field for a couple hours, gain three, four levels, and now you're competent. You kind of have to go through some ish. You kind of have to actually experience some uh, trepidation and some terribleness and some awful events and some potential failures and potential death. So because of that, the tension remains super high in the show. And when you have the hero the goblin slayer into the picture because of how tense and terrifying the scenarios were because of that he feels even more capable when he does the things he does when the goblin slayer comes in and he actually defeats the different goblins in the different areas using a variety of tactics not brute forth but tactics when he is able to tactically understand where they're going to be located, when he is able to tactically understand how many of them there are going to be, when he is able to tactically understand how to get them to move one way while he moves a different way, that's the brilliance. There is a respect that the audiences instantly get from this character. And it's so interesting that when you feel the fear and you feel him kind of step into the scene and the music plays and it's literally just a couple of riffs, just that da-na, da-na, you feel the excitement, you feel the the energy you feel the fire that kind of gets lit beneath the character and that's the brilliance of goblin slayer it's the extreme fear it's the subversion of the uh world it is that plus the the way that he navigates and solves the the goblin problem and it's the single-minded nature of his character he doesn't care about what anyone thinks he doesn't care about um, niceties he doesn't care all he cares about is killing goblins all of them think about that all of them where most would sway, where most would uh, be soft, where most would contemplate and, and, and change their minds, he never does. And that's the power of it. And that's why it's so gripping in the beginning. So there's a couple of other pieces of it which I feel are very important. 
I'm going to kind of like walk my way through each of them. And then once I do that, I think I'll give, have given you a pretty um, accurate uh, sense of my impression of the show. So stick with me and your, your um, otaku uncle. And I'm going to tell a couple of more pieces about why I feel this is one of the best shows I've ever seen. Why I can't wait for the second season. Why I think I may watch it again, if time permits. So let me say this. And I'm going to preface it by saying that this is going to surprise no one. But when you do a one-to-one comparison... Goblin Slayer is Batman. I'm going to say it again for those in the back. (laughs) Goblin Slayer is Batman. The sentiment of the character, the motivation, the method, the style, the flow. It's basically an anime fantasy version of Batman. And I'm sure that this has come up before, but for those of us who haven't read any theories about the show, who haven't read the manga, and maybe this is your first time piecing those things together, go with me on this journey for a little bit. The character of Batman is as thus. Due to a tragedy from his past, witnessing the death of his close loved ones, He then decides to take up arms against the embodiment of the individuals who killed his parents. So his parents were killed by a common criminal. So what he did is he dedicated his life and all of his energy to studying and learning the behavior of criminals. By studying and learning the behavior of criminals, he's then able to understand what motivates them, how they operate, how they think, how they feel, how they love, how they hate. And using that knowledge, he's able to then go out and combat them and stop them from causing the same atrocities to other families and other children. He has unique teachers that he learns a lot of tactics from off screen, which we see hints of. And then he then puts together a persona, which is larger than who he is as an individual. His identity is essentially a secret. He walks around fully, (laughs) see, I mean, I could keep going on and on and on, but you get what I'm saying. At its essence, Goblin Slayer is the character of Batman, all the way down to the fact that when he removes his cowl, when he removes his armor set, he's covered in scars. He gains knowledge at the expense of his own body, and he puts himself in harm's way, and he never complains, and he never fights back, he never whines, he just takes it and evolves. He takes it and develops, he takes it and he becomes a hero 
that people at first disrespect and eventually admire. What's more, is how he kind of operates. One of the great things about Batman as a character is that the people who read the comic books feel that Batman could potentially be any, anybody. The way that he fights, the way that he chooses to uh, take on criminals, he's just a normal human being. I mean, certainly he has the benefit of wealth. So he has the time to take, uh, to go and explore. He has the ability to go find trainers. He has the ability to pay for um, his equipment. And, you know, people have always said that Batman's superpower is his money. But I would argue that his superpower is his tenacity. What makes Batman so brilliant is the fact that he's almost crazy in how far he goes to obtain his methods and how much he learns about the criminal element in the type of tactics that he puts together on the fly and the amount of preparation that he does. I would say that Batman's tenacity is his real superpower because the will to do that type of stuff when you don't have any crutches to lean on is just ridiculous. It's crazy, especially in the world that he is in. The character of Batman, he's in a world where people can fly, where people can run at the speed of sound, where people can travel through time, where people can read minds, where people can bend steel in their fingers. That's the world he actually lives in. And so, naturally, most people would assume that they can't do the things that he does by comparison. But what he does is he studies, he watches, he comes up with plans, he tries to figure things out in ways to where he turns the disadvantages that he has into advantages. That's 100% what Goblin Slayer does. And I think that's why he's so likable. His character is very refreshing because it takes that Batman mythos and it applies it in this whole new world. And you're like, you know what? If someone were to really, if someone were to really try and figure out, you know what, what's the best method in order for me to achieve my goals? What's actually the best method for me to save this village? They would use tactics, they would use strategy, they would use any advantage they could get their hands on. Some of the brilliant things that he's done is that he uses the prototypical spells and uses them in a way that they're going to be most effective. One of the first things that he does is when he starts to get the companion is he has her use the protect spell. Now protect, she's a priestess, right? So what does the protect spell do? The protect spell is supposed to be used to put up a magical barrier or an invisible shield made of light. So if the enemy is maybe they're trying to hit you with swords or they're shooting arrows at you, then the arrows would fly up, bounce off that protective shield, and you and your party were safe. So 
that is what it was designed for. But that is not all that it's useful for. It has many uses. Goblin Slayer, he um, traps a lot of the goblins in their mountain uh, fortress. And when he does, he bars the door with the protect spell. He says, you cast protect in front of the door, they can't escape. Other heroes don't think like that. In this world, other heroes are too noble. They're looking to fight fair. They're looking for honor. Whereas he's looking to win and survive. And really just to kill the goblins, even more than winning. He just wants them to die. It's really cool. It's so wild. And it's one of those things that I haven't really seen in the anime genre that much. One of the reasons why I love manga a lot of the time is because it emphasizes strategy over brute force. My favorite manga is Hunter Hunter, and that's kind of the uh, sentiment in that world where the hunters aren't just the most powerful people on the planet, they're also some of the smartest. Uh, the organization is filled with doctors, with lawyers, with judges, with brilliant tacticians, with military people, with all kinds of individuals whom have to learn, study, practice, focus, meditate, and master and improve. And that's why it's so cool. So that particular series emphasizes a person using their brain as opposed to just sticking their fist out and defeating the world by yelling, by charging up. But a lot of the times, people don't have the patience. Not everyone can write a story like that. Not everybody can put together something like that and make it compelling. It's, it takes a special, it takes a special human being to think, you know what? In this world, let's maximize a minimal threat and let's also maximize the, the intelligence of the fighter. And I think that's why it appeals to a lot of individuals, the same way that Batman appeals to a lot of people. Where Superman is the most powerful, but he's also often considered the most boring because he can do anything. He has no real weaknesses other than a mysterious rock that can basically drain him of his superpowers, thus making him human. So then why even start with the super being? Why not just start with somebody who's human already? And that is what he is, Goblin Slayer. He's a human. He is not great with people. He's very terse in how he speaks. He's very one note. He 130% is single-minded and it's used to a point where it's it becomes humorous when the goblin slayer is offered to join a party they first start describing him about the demon lord and the world is ending and we need your help and this is a noble task and he's like yeah yeah, yeah I decline and he starts to leave until they say Oh no, Mr. Goblin Slayer, sir. I 
am here to hire you to kill goblins. And immediately, before he hears anything else, he says, I'm in. Because that's what he cares about. Batman likes to fight criminals. He doesn't just need to, he likes to after a while. And I feel like it's the same for Goblin Slayer. Another cool thing about them both is their identity. The identity of Batman is hidden from the rest of the community. The identity of Goblin Slayer is hidden even from us, the viewer. We still don't know what he looks like. And during the few flashback scenes where it shows him as a child, and he's kind of sitting and sad and begging, his face is obscured. During the scene where we see him outside of his armor for the first time, they don't show his face, they show his back. They show the back of his hair and the silver grayish hair, the pale skin implying that he never takes his armor off. He even says that he doesn't take it off because in case of an ambush, he's always prepared. He's always tactical. He's always thinking. His mind is spinning toward what is the best options. And no matter what he learns, He's learning it so that he can apply it in different scenarios. Another instance where he uses a typical spell to do something atypical is when he summons the crashing waves from the bottom of the ocean to use as a blade against an intensely powerful um, goblin champion. Now, what is so brilliant about this is the fact that that, that, that that wasn't a spell to summon water that he used. It was a transportation spell. It was a spell that adventurers use to escape harrowing situations. If they're out adventuring and they get caught in a cave and they're worried that they're about to die, what do they do? Well, if you ever played WoW, you bubble hearth. You put yourself in a bubble as a paladin, and then you go back to the hearth, which is your safe zone. It's a way to just um, fast travel, to escape back to uh, the safe parameters of kind of where you came from. Now, the Goblin Slayer sees this, and he sees it as it is, which is a transportation spell. But he also sees it as it could be. And that's the brilliance of the character. He says, okay, what if I get to a situation where there's an enemy that I can't defeat? So what does he do? He takes one of the most powerful forces on earth. The pressure accumulated from the bottom of the ocean. You have to think about that. When water, in, when you're inside a swimming pool and the water is just three feet deep, right? And you get down till the water comes up to your neck, you feel the pressure, the water pressing against your chest. That is just how it is. The deeper the pool, the more pressure. If you dive down in a 12 foot pool to retrieve some like rings or something, you feel that pressure. You feel it on your head. It gets to you. Now, imagine going deeper than that, and then deeper than that still, to the bottom, the very bottom of the ocean. What do you imagine the pressure at the bottom of the ocean is? Tons, thousands upon thousands of tons, enough to crush coal into diamond, all compressed, simply because the weight 
of the liquid world is riding above you. He found a way to take the most pressurized bit of liquid on the planet and instantly transport it into the face of whomever he aimed that scroll at. So when the goblin lord, strong though he is, he can't move mountains, but the ocean can. And that thing devastated him. He used a transport spell to transport something other than himself. And in addition to that, he wasn't, he didn't feel any shame with how he learned that information. He just asked someone for help. He's not prideful. He's skillful. And that is why he's so fascinating. And that's why he's like Batman. Batman will do everything that on his own until he doesn't. He's a loner until he's not. He isolates himself from the rest of the world until the rest of the world comes seeking him. And that's the next part that I really want to talk about. And you, get the, you guys get the Batman reference already. You guys get that Goblin Slayer is Batman in this new form. That's basically who he is. But what else is he? Why are so many people drawn to him? And I think that's part of the cathartic nature of the character, the thing that makes him attractive to us is wanting to have that type of charisma without charisma. But there's also something else, some other factor that he seems to have that probably would draw people to uh, ourselves in real life too. Let's jump into that right now. Who is Goblin Slayer? Goblin Slayer is a loner. Goblin Slayer travels with no companions he appears as he so desires, comes and goes as he so pleases, and leaves no stone, un no stone unturned when it comes to goblins. That being said, how come he has so many people that follow him? In the beginning of the series, Goblin Slayer appears just in time to save the priestess that's his first appearance on screen and we are talking about the anime the manga i haven't seen i'm not planning on reading it i don't want my opinion to be swayed either way and yet she never leaves his side after he is looped into fighting goblins and eventually some other creatures with the lizard man, the dwarf, and the high elf, they too never leave his side. It's very RPG-esque in that when good deeds are done, so too are companions won. And I think that's so, so weird about it. He's a loner, and yet he's never alone. When he goes back home, and it is his home, we learn that... The farm that he is staying on belongs to the little girl that saw him. They were childhood friends. The little girl was the one that was getting ready to go to the city, very, very excited. And he was able to let his, like, you know, the child-like frustrations out. He stomped his feet, he whined, he complained, and yet... He goes back there and dutifully checks every day for goblin footprints. He checks to see if there's going to be an invasion. He checks, he checks, he checks. And he offers her basically no conversation, basically no companionship, and yet she cannot wait to see him.
and again and again and again, up to and including the shield maiden. I'm sorry, the the sword hero, the one who was in the party that defeated the, the demon lord. She too is ultimately devoted to the goblin slayer. It is crazy, and yet that is what happens. The same with Batman, right? The more he does for these individuals, the more companion, the more companions he gets. The more companions he gets, the more the more cathartic it gets. The more cathartic it gets, the closer that we are to feeling as if the Goblin Slayer is us. This is what I'm talking about, the cathartic nature of the show. He gets companions. He doesn't just get your typical quick RPG companions that you can take or leave. This isn't Dragon's Dogma where he just gets a pawn whom might help him, might not help him. He gets lifelong companions. He gets friends. He gets admirers. He gets people who hold him in the utmost regard. They respect him. They cherish him. This is what I'm talking about. Goblin Slayer. The loner who is never alone. And that's part of... That's part of the seeing yourself in the character that I keep talking about. When I talk about catharsis, I'm talking about an a, a show that allows you to fulfill some need or some uh, desire, some emotion. It allows you to fulfill that without you actually having to take that action. So, when Goblin Slayer continues to be an introvert loner, and yet he does everything right, and yet these people, the important people, respect him, and yet all of the loud, boisterous people are actually kind of dopey, and they don't actually... Uh, know what to do but but the goblin slayer always knows what to do it feels like wish fulfillment that thing that a lot of people who have that personality type actually wish would happen and there's shows for every single personality type out there this one just happens to be that single-minded loner isolated thinking type person especially the one who's the planner so goblin slayer is a little bit like a wish fulfillment and it's pretty cool and what's so interesting too in regards to it is that it never feels fake it never feels forced and maybe it's just because i've played too many video games like that where you go to a village you rescue somebody or you help fight a plague or something whatever and then for the rest of the game Now the villagers who were cold and mean to you, they're like, oh, you're a special hero, and they kind of support you. Maybe that's the cathartic flip, the reversal, that every young man and young woman who plays these games actually wants to feel. Because that's what I feel when I watch Goblin Slayer. I feel as if they're cheering me on as I'm watching the show. I feel as if they are supporting me, they're backing me, they want the best for me. As if I'm the Goblin Slayer. I start going over the plans in my brain. I feel the tension. I feel the worry. I feel like the the, the fear, the shame, the tiredness, the exhaustion. And Goblin Slayer, he isn't... 
he isn't like a superman by any means. He gets beat up a lot. The same way how when Batman takes off his costume, you actually see how scarred up he is, how many like stitches he's had to do, how many times Alfred has had to try to kind of like heal him and make him better. When Goblin Slayer fights one of the giant ogres, the ogres slam their club against him and he goes flying and he nearly dies on several occasions. He breaks bones, he hurts his back, he's 130% um, near death. That's what I'm talking about. There's no joy for Goblin Slayer. There's no um, uh, reveille, I guess. When Goblin Slayer goes to fight these giant monsters, he never comes out unscathed. And his companions are there to get his back. In addition to that, in addition to them respecting his skill set, they seem to just like him. They're like, like and fawn over his quiet nature. So when they're asking him questions and he's like, yeah, us, yeah, he's like giving these very basic, simple responses. They're like, oh, he's just being Goblin Slayer. And, uh, and it's really funny because that's what people really wish would happen in their lives. They really wish that when they were their quiet, simple nature, people wouldn't just listen to them. They would almost like admire, oh, Goblin Slayers just being Goblin Slayer. We wish that for ourselves. So I think about how well done that aspect is when it comes to this show and how the companions just kind of keep coming to him. And in addition to that, they don't just admire him. All of the girls start to fall for him. It really is that young, uh, slightly older male's dream where girls are always fawning over you. Uh, They're fawning over you not because of um, how much money you have or how good looking you are, but because you're so reliable, resourceful, you're smart, you're capable, and all of a sudden that preparedness the fact that they don't even know what you look like that preparedness and the fact that you work hard actually pays off in the real world so you end up being rich anyway it's pretty weird but that's kind of how it is um it's just one of those uh it's just one of those fantasies that guys have and i would i would wager that some girls have as well so I don't know if it's ironic. I don't really think that that's the right word. I think it is pretty typical. It's very typical of a lot of genres. I mean, famously, the harem genre was very popular for anime and for manga. I don't think there's really an equivalent of that genre in the States or in other programming. But in the Asian culture, when it comes to this type of stuff, you know, there it is. So, what else is interesting kind of when it comes to Goblin Slayer? I think maybe his backstory. And I mean the backstory where they've only shown us like maybe a total of 15 minutes of footage. That's probably one of the most interesting aspects of his character. So, companions love him, they follow him. He's super capable, he's introverted, he's Batman. So where did he come from? 
How did he become the Goblin Slayer? Why did he become the Goblin Slayer? These are questions that I feel like the manga has already kind of answered, but the anime is just scratching the surface, and I'm assuming it will get into it more in season two. But so far in season one, all we have are questions. Questions and training. Where did Goblin Slayer come from? How did he become a Goblin Slayer? One does not simply become a goblin slayer out of nowhere, despite history. He's not the only one who has that history with the goblins. So, this is one of the more fascinating aspects of the character. One of the ones that, I guess, said a little bit more about goblin slayer than was expected. So we learn that essentially when he was a kid, Goblin Slayer was trained to kill goblins by a goblin. Now we learn from this goblin that it's possible for goblins and humans to communicate. Um, typically all the goblins did their own little kind of cries of that kind of garbled faux language that uh, we translate in our language is just noise but I guess for goblins that's goblin communication right that all of that that they do is them actually speaking to one another now this goblin actually uses the human language which um, and you know for whatever uh, show they just happen to speak our language to keep things simplified and we don't question it. So in the world of Goblin Slayer, they all speak Japanese, right? Were this a uh, English or an American show, they would all speak English, so forth and so on. That keeps things very, very simple, even though it probably wouldn't be the case. And even if it was the same language, it'd be some sort of dialect, but I'm going down a weird path. This is one of the more unique aspects of the show because they don't touch on it for very long. It shows him experiencing this kind of backstory, this kind of um, moment in time of him being a very, very young kid. Now, because of because it's animated and they don't really give us any title cards i think it's safe to assume that he's being trained by this goblin not that long after the terrible incident that he had to live through of goblins coming into his village of goblins uh essentially having their way with his big sister of goblins destroying his home life uh so on and so forth it's awful it's terrible and it is quite possibly one of the worst portrayals of goblins in any fantasy genre, at least in any mainstream fantasy genre. I'm sure there's some kind of subsex where they get incredibly hardcore and incredibly detailed about their role playing. But as far as like a mainstream show, this is 130% the worst portrayal. So, it had to have been, in my mind, because I don't know the backstory, and I'm not going to uh, 
really say that this is exactly it, but I, as far as I'm guessing, he's probably going to have run away from home and then try and, and, and find, um, either he's found by this character or he sought this character out as a means to learn how to kill goblins. Or maybe he sought out a means to kill goblins and as he was making an effort, he basically almost dies and this character pulls him out of it and says, oh, okay, you wanna learn how to kill goblins? Let me really show you how. That's kind of my guess. That seems to be the way that these stories go. And the fact that it's a goblin is doubly weird. Now, I'm sure all the manga readers are just like listening to this being like, okay, <laughs> I know the story, I know the history, it's going to blow your mind. But for all of us just pure anime watchers, um, and I'm not going to go read the manga on this one, it's wild. He, the, the, this goblin who's training him acts like a sage sensei, master, wizard, uh, wise person. And he's basically telling this young uh, goblin slayer in training that um, you're not ready. You're not wise. And it's going to be very difficult for you to perform the tasks that you are wanting to perform for any number of reasons. The main one is that you are just not clever. You are just not clever. You are just not powerful. You cannot defeat these goblins. And we see the backstory in the series of like riddles, which I thought were super fascinating because they intersperse almost in the middle of the adventure. So Goblin Slayer, uh, Lizard Man, uh, the Elf Girl, and the Priestess, they're all like basically on one of their longer quests. They're in preparation and they're going to do some pretty delicate, sensitive things. Now, because of this, we get to spend a little bit more time with the characters than we normally would have. So there's room for this amount of downtime. And as a result, we get this kind of cool little mini uh, backstory about it. And I love the way that they did it, where it's almost like we don't know what he learned. We know he learned how to think. But we don't exactly know how it applies, other than, okay, it made him a little bit sharper, made it a little bit cleverer. It's not like he said, okay, now the best place to potentially um, find goblins is in, is in A, a cave, B, the forest, C, uh, your mother's basement. Like, it didn't go like that. The riddles that he had to answer were very abstract. So it's like they were just like the typical riddles like um, you can't escape me. I'm there when you need me, uh, when you least expect it. It's the young and the old. Uh, no matter what, I am coming, so forth and so on. What am I? And he has to guess like death, okay? that That's one that's kind of said in a very like weird and obscure way, right? 
But at the same time, it gets you to kind of think differently. Yes, he is death. It is a way of piecing things together. Like the point of a riddle is to get the brain to make connections that it wouldn't ordinarily have have made. That's basically what abstract thinking is. It's bridging the gap between two concepts that don't seem to have a connection and laying it out in a very basic, practical manner that develops in a way that you don't have to consider anything. So it, it, it's, good, it's good practice for trying to figure out difficult problems. So you can kind of see how it relates to what Goblin Slayer is doing. I mean, that's basically what he's doing on any given basis. He is trying to solve the, the problem of survival and extermination all at the same time at a rapid pace in the moment again and again and again and again and again and each time he faces a new set of goblins the problem is slightly different but the outcome and the uh, the eventuality is also the same so just like when he's in the cave answering the riddles the consequence of failure is death and so when he cleverly is able to solve the riddles we're like wow this is a smart kid he's cool i'm on his side then the goblin walks up to him and he says finally what is in my pocket now that riddle is famously from the book the hobbit it's the um it's the question that Bilbo, when he's having a contest of riddles with uh, the creature Gollum, it's the riddle that Gollum cannot answer. It's the riddle that is about the fact that he found this ring of invisibility before it was known as like the one ring to rule them all. It was the riddle that allowed Bilbo to essentially save his own skin. It was one of those moments in the book where um, where Bilbo becomes like likable. His skills, uh, i.e. his brain, is kind of put to use. And insofar as he uses his brain, he's actually able to think his way out of certain circumstances where Braun could save him, but he doesn't have any. Where magic could save him, but he doesn't have any. Where dexterity could save him, but he, again, he has not that either. So all he has are his wits and his ability to think and his ability to strategize. And that is really uh, Goblin Slayer's true ability. It's his mind. It's his... um, ability to think things through at a rapid pace and produce satisfying results that keep him and his companions alive and when 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 you have to present the riddle and solve the riddle that is essentially unsolvable that my friends is the point the riddle is not really a riddle. At that point, it's just a guessing game. It is, you can't have a riddle if there's no uh, clues 
that you can uh, piece the answer together from. That's why Jeopardy makes sense to me and why things like Wheel of Fortune do not because there are no context clues in Wheel of Fortune that follow any logic or reason. They're very scattered. They're very almost random or almost um, opposites. Whereas a show like Jeopardy, you don't even need to really know anything about the category because they put clues that will kind of lead you and guide you toward the answer within the questions themselves. And that is basically what why he was able to solve the riddles. But when the riddle, the last riddle is what is in my pocket, there's nothing to grasp onto. And that is basically the point of Goblin Slayer. It is, he is the one that has to think about questions that aren't questions, about riddles that aren't riddles, about possibilities that shouldn't really exist, but do. And then he has to solve for these non-existent, pointless, ridiculous things again and again and again when things are dire. Because things are going to get dire. Even if you have a party, even if you have everything put together, you have to then solve for the impossible no matter what. And the answer, in my opinion, to what's in my pocket is to reach in and take it. And that's what Goblin Slayer does again and again. Um, and then shout out to the show for all the nods to Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. I kind of noticed it a little bit, but my Reddit research has confirmed it. Um, I guess the creator is a big fan, but there are certain scenes and certain instances that are straight out of the Lord of the Rings uh, movies, the extended edition especially. Um, but then there's moments from The Hobbit, and it's just nice to see those bits and pieces um, re uh imagined into the goblin slayer world and it's just you know it's kind of fun it's kind of cool so i really appreciate that so that's kind of where goblin slayer came from that's kind of where he gets his mentality from a goblin and i that immediately killed the notion where i thought he was going to be a goblin for a little bit uh, but now i'm like okay i know who he is but i still don't know who he is it's pretty wild stuff Dun, 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 dun. I don't exactly know how they did it, but they were able to make something very special. And I'm not just talking about the story on its own. I'm not just talking about the animation style, but it's kind of everything. They kind of found this weird way for this series to work on so many levels. I'm thinking about when Goblin Slayer first shows up in the cave. And we have our priestess and she knows that she's going to die. And we know that she's not because then we wouldn't have a story. But then we kind of think she might. Because I'm sure that there are stories out there where a group of characters die until the real main character shows up. But they keep her around almost as the, 
juxtaposition to um, his character, the, the, the weak new character to his strong experience, the skill to her lack of skill. Dun, 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 dun. And I don't know how they do it. It's thrilling, it's exciting, and it really, really gets to me. I think it's the people that work on that show just have found a way to make a lot of very smart choices. They know that this is an ancient feel to it. So it's got the kind of um, traditional fantasy lore. So we're thinking like King, King Arthur, Knights of the Round Table, Lord of the Rings, Hoblets, ho- Hobbits, Wizards, Elves, Dwarves. But they don't give it that kind of classical score all the time. When Goblin Share shows up, the music is modern and it kind of works. Actually, it really works. There's all these dire situations in the beginning where characters basically die in these terrible, awful, shocking ways. But everybody has that kind of cutesy, moe, anime style. And not in the sense to where it's creepy, not like a horror anime, but almost just to show that even here, where you could mistake it for something lighthearted, you shouldn't. And it kind of works. Dun, 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 dun. There's so many little things that it just does so well it adds this like harem subplot which kind of doesn't fit and yet it kind of does it it's one of those things where if this was the real world and you have this very strong capable um respectable reliable daring thrilling character Women are going to be attracted to him. But it does it in the very most anime way it possibly can. Where there's a lot of um, immediate jealousy. There's a lot of uh, uh, trying to hang on to him. There's a lot of embarrassment. There's a lot of got to cover up. And then certain characters don't cover up. And their like proportions are just out of control. It's that. It's very anime. And yet there's this very real very realistic sense to it it's just such a it's just such a very complex weirdly woven tapestry of ideas and senses and notions and feelings and it's one of those anime that I feel like I'm not going to forget for a while I can't really remember when another series kind of surprised me on a regular basis um, maybe Code Geese when it first came out had a lot to surprise me with that one was incredible Gundam Seed did 
a little bit. Ting and Topin Gurren Lagann certainly did. That show was just a, a mind of its own, and it's one thing that I didn't feel was recreated in Kill la Kill, which a lot of people like that series. I don't. I think it doesn't have the substance that Gurren Lagann did. It definitely has the style, has the style down pat, but you gotta have the rock of the foundation otherwise the house will collapse and that's something that goblin slayer has in spades so that's how i feel about the first season and i'm very i can't wait for the second season i don't know what they're gonna do and i'm lucky because i came to it late this series came out in 2018 so people have been waiting for the end of the the, the the hiatus or the wait period when is the next season two going to come I saw some threads from uh, people saying oh I think um, I think they're about to announce season two and this was like three months ago I'm not really sure when the season two is coming out but I know that I'm 130% ready this is a series that I want to give my Saturdays to that I want to give my time to it's brilliant it's unique it's very poignant and it really hits you in the brain it makes you wonder how you would actually fare in this society and in this world and that is one of the benefits of truly brilliant storytelling truly brilliant anime making and i think that this one is a champion of a series so thank you so much for listening to uncle hokage's anime podcast hope you guys had a great time uh do me a favor share this podcast with one other person that would uh, mean the world to me i hope you guys are enjoying these anime talks because i can't help but talk about anime all the time it sticks in my head and this is a great outlet for me and i hope just in the slightest if you're having a long journey if you're taking a long road trip if you're flying in a plane or whatever and you just need a little anime uh, companionship a little companion piece to your world experience if you're in the gym and trying to make it through your set and you love anime at the same time um, i hope you get strong and big like all might i hope you get buff like goku i hope that uh, you have a good time listening to these so uh definitely like share subscribe i don't know what i'm going to talk about next but it's certainly going to be something in the otaku related world um so yeah like share subscribe love peace and hair grease go watch goblin slayer if you haven't already yeah